Welcome, fellow true crime enthusiasts, to today's case file, Abby Winter's Triumph. He loves me not. Welcome to Body of Crime, your go-to true crime podcast, where we plunge headfirst into the gripping world of criminal mysteries. Join your hosts, Jose Medina, Crystal Garcia, and Alicia Anaya, as we deliver the full stories, immersing you in the heart of each case. With spine-chilling cases, in-depth analysis, captivating interviews, and a comprehensive examination of the evidence, embark on a thrilling journey with us as we explore bone-chilling cases from around the globe. Whether you're a seasoned true crime enthusiast or a fresh face in the genre, we guarantee to keep you on the edge of your seat. So put on your detective hat, grab your notepad, and get ready to dive into the thrilling world of body of crime. again um i'm the one who was shot three times once in my face once in my heart and once in my lung i wanted to answer one of the biggest questions i got and this is really hard for me but brian is dead brian shot himself after he shot me three times and he didn't make it and I will never get justice. He, you know, he's dead. There, There is no justice for that. There is no justice for me. And I just wanted to let you guys know that the only justice I'm ever gonna get is telling you guys what happened to me. Telling you guys, you know, not to do the things that I did and not to make the mistakes that I did. You guys sharing my story and you guys viewing my story is my justice. It's all I need. And I really thank you guys for being supportive and being there for me. Because I really struggled for a long time with this is my fault. You know, I I struggled with the fact that he's dead. And there's nothing that can fix that. Nothing. My son lost his dad that day. He deserved a a better dad, he did, but he lost his dad. And that is wrong. But I just wanted to let you guys know that I, you guys are my justice. Letting you guys know what happened to me is my justice. On May 2nd, 2022, a young mother found the once loving and beautiful relationship she had started in middle school With the boy she thought she would be with forever had evolved into something dark and sinister. Brian, the 13-year-old boy that she had first built a friendship with, had evolved into a whirlwind love that made the couple inseparable. The relationship seemed poised to evolve as the two became closer over time. But then the shiny veneer began to peel and things began to crumble. After eight years, the couple's love for each other had waned and become toxic, 
And Abby found herself crying a lot more often than she found herself smiling and laughing. The relationship that had once brought her the greatest joy now often left her in tears, feeling sad. Depression was becoming a looming cloud over her head. But the couple had unexpectedly gotten pregnant. Abby had hoped that the birth of her son would right the wrongs and somehow the joy of a new addition to their family would bring them closer, heal some old wounds, and rekindle the spark that had made their relationship special in the beginning. Coming home from the hospital should have been the start of building a family and life together. But old habits, the pressure of parenthood, and a feeling of frustration presented itself in mental, physical, and sexual abuse as Brian lashed out at Abby for things she couldn't control. Brian turned mistakes into punishments and made life for Abby hell on earth. She walked on eggshells, terrified that a look, smiling at the wrong time, or an innocent tone could unleash a torrent of anger from Brian, or even worse. Hands and feet, leaving her hiding bruises under long sleeve shirts and heavy makeup. Abby's journey was marred by the harsh realities of an abusive relationship, filled with toxicity, manipulation, emotional torment, and horrible, escalating physical abuse. Breaking free from such a toxic bond is never easy, but as Abby embraced the role of a mother and protector of her son, she became conscious of the fact that she could not allow her young son being exposed to the same horrors she herself was enduring. Abby would have nightmares of Brian lashing out his cruelty towards her son, and before long, even that occurred. While clinging to hope that things would change, Abby resolved to take a stand, to find the strength to walk away, partially for the sake of her own well-being, but more so for the safety and future of her beautiful baby boy, Styles. That decision would set a violent and horrific event in motion, that would end in a deadly act that would leave Abby on the verge of death with life-threatening wounds, suffering from multiple gunshots striking her in the head and chest. Brian would turn the AR-15 on himself, turning the violence inward and taking his own life, leaving Abby unable to understand how someone she once loved could commit such a horrendous atrocity. She would be unable to find closure, justice, or understanding in the end. But Abby's story doesn't begin or end there. Today, we unravel the layers of Abby Winter's story. Yes, a tale of unspeakable horror, but it's also a story of survival, a story of resilience, and a story of love for her son. Join us as we delve into the shocking events that shattered the life Abby once knew and explore the unrelenting pursuit of justice in the face of an unimaginable tragedy. This is Abby Winter's story. Hey y'all, it's me again, Abby. I'm the one who got shot three times, once in my face, went to my heart, and went to my lung. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Today, I want to talk about something that a lot of people have been asking me. A lot of people have asked me, do you think that Brian loved his son? And my answer to that is, you can't love your son and give him two black eyes and a concussion and lie about what happened. 
you can't love your son and take him in the car for eight hours while you stalk his mom. You can't love your son and shoot his mom while he's there. You can't love your son and sexually assault his mom in front of him while he cries and holds her legs. You can't love your son and beat up his mom in front of him so he cries and he's afraid of you. You can't love your son and take them away from his mom just so that you can have leverage and she'll come home. He continuously put my son in danger. He continuously neglected his needs. He told me that he would not buy formula for my son. I had to breastfeed better when he was beating my ass the entire time. That's my answer to the question is, you can't love your son and hurt him repeatedly for your own selfish reasons. Abby Winters, born a Capricorn to parents Nathan and Crystal, grew up in the close-knit community of Kansas City, Kansas. She has three brothers and two sisters forging strong connections with her family and friends. Life in her hometown was typical for a young teenager filled with friendships and the usual activity. She was an artist and loved to swim. It was in 2014, at the age of just 13, that Abby and Brian crossed paths like two star-crossed lovers straight out of a Shakespeare novel. She was his Juliet, and the two became inseparable quickly. At that age, there were few prerequisites for a relationship. Both lived with their parents, and they were too young for jobs. Their supportive families encouraged the bond and possibly imagined them as adults, eventually becoming parents, bonding the two families together forever. They spent their time doing things they loved, with Abby enjoying swimming and Brian sharing his passion for all things nature and science-related. In many ways, they seemed similar, or so Abby believed at the time. Over the next eight years, Abby's life took a dark turn. What had initially seemed like a promising connection devolved into a toxic and abusive relationship. Both verbal and physical abuse became a daily reality and eventually sexual assault, taking a significant toll on Abby's well-being. She felt like she had lost herself entirely, questioning whether she even knew what love was anymore. Abby constantly tried to meet impossible standards to avoid being subjected to verbal degradation or even worse, physical violence. Sometimes she would face punishment simply for getting directions wrong. In 2021, Brian and Abby welcomed their first and only child, a son. Born on March 2nd, he was a Pisces. The moment she held her newborn, Abby experienced a profound love she had never known before. She hoped this change would bring improvements to their relationship, but sadly, it only grew more toxic with each passing day. Abby found herself crying more often, contemplating the future of her baby boy if she remained in the same situation. After eight long years of enduring abuse, she knew that something had to change. However, she kept this painful secret locked away from everyone, hiding the battles she faced whenever the door closed, be it at her home, her car, or anywhere else. Abby felt trapped but she was determined to make a change for the sake of her son and for herself. Abby grew up like most kids, her and Brian. They met young. Sometimes it's pretty common that you meet somebody in middle school, junior high. My first major relationship, I met also young. So have you. Your first major relationship you was when you were young, too. Right. The reason that I bring that up is because I think it's very important to understand that at this age, you've not been exposed to a lot of relationships. So for starters, in recognizing the signs of there being issues, that might be hard for you. 
Right. Because you haven't had several relationships to, to kind of like base that on. And then growing together from young children or teenagers into adults, you kind of start to think that things are normal, that that's just the way that things are and you become comfortable. Yeah. And I believe that in Abby's relationship that as their relationship evolved, it happened in such small stages where he was doing things like separating her from her family little by little. You know, she wasn't seeing her family as much, not seeing her friends as much. He became very controlling and those things didn't happen immediately. They were progressive. And so it wasn't as easy to notice. That's textbook narcissism and also textbook manipulation. Right. Those are the things that people do to manipulate a person and to control a person is they start separating them from everyone else. And for adults, that's a very difficult thing. And sometimes adults don't notice that. Yeah. And so you think about somebody who's young, it's going to be even harder for them to recognize that, especially yeah. immediately. Every 13-year-old feels like they're the only ones who understand love. Every 13-year-old thinks they've got love figured out at 13. <laughs> so at 13, what you're really doing is you're learning about relationships and you're learning how to start them, how to end them when they need to be ended. And I don't think that she ever got to that point where she was able to end this relationship. And she just got sucked into this relationship and, and never really got a chance to leave it. So they had their son, they had Styles, And I think it was at that point. What a cool name. Yeah. When it's just yourself who's at risk, it's different. Yeah. But now when you see somebody who you love and who you care about, where you're, it's almost like you're taken outside that bubble where you're able to see from the outside looking in. Now it's different. Right. With her son, she started to realize that I can't continue in a life like this, not with my son. This isn't a good life for my son. And this is when Abby started to really start to question the relationship and question the abuse and want to make a change. But I think also another big part of the relationship was that once she had her son and she recognized true love, she realized that what she had with Brian wasn't that. Right. It wasn't real love. She was no longer the only one in danger now. Now her son, Styles was also in danger and she needed to put him into a safe environment. Right. There had been a couple times I know that she had told me where she had thought about leaving or had tried to leave. And that just wasn't something that was solidified until that final time when she left. It just after years of things building up and then having her son. And so finally she, she made that step. What was the deal with Brian? Was he, was it insecurity? Was it, was he a, just a narcissist? What, what was his deal? Do we know? Not really. I mean, when you talk to Abby, some of the things that Abby talks about is that in the beginning, everything seemed really normal to her. And I think honestly, really, things seemed normal to the families. And it wasn't until later in the relationship where the family started seeing where maybe they weren't getting along or it didn't seem like they were getting along. And I don't think that at the point where they separated, where either one of their families thought, you know, hey, this isn't a good thing. I think both their families felt like they needed a split at that point. You know, that their relationship was probably just had run its course. I know that Abby was confident in her decision. She actually had started dating someone else at this point. He was treating her really well, was treating Styles really well. And it's the same person who she's with today which is really beautiful. The events of May 2nd, 2022 forever changed Abby's life. 
On a 73-degree day in Kansas City, Kansas, she sat in the passenger seat of her mom's car, waiting to pick up her son. Abby had recently separated from her long-term boyfriend, Brian, marking the end of an eight-year relationship and custody of their child was shared. While she was relieved to be free of him, the transition was challenging. It was her only long-term relationship, and it had defined the past eight years of her life. Despite being separated for around five months, Brian continued to harass her. Abby held on to the hope that he would eventually move on. As Abby sat in the car in front of the apartment that she once called home, waiting to pick up her son, completely unaware of the danger approaching, an individual wielding an AR-15 swiftly approached from the side of the building. In a matter of seconds, chaos erupted. Abby felt a searing sensation in her face and chest akin to an explosion. Smoke filled the car and she was left in a daze, rapidly losing consciousness due to the profuse internal bleeding. Abby's world was quickly fading into muffled sounds as she struggled to breathe. Her son, the last thing she heard. Abby couldn't even hear herself anymore as everything fell into an eerie, quiet void. Four days later, Abby regained consciousness at the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City, Kansas. Her vision was blurry and confusion overwhelmed her as she struggled to understand her surroundings. It didn't take long for her to realize that the explosion, which had sounded like a bomb going off, was indeed real. As a survivor of domestic violence, panic set in when she awoke to find herself connected to a web of IVs and multiple tubes extending from her body. Pain seemed to envelop her from every direction. Abby had already endured two heart surgeries, the placement of multiple drains, one lung surgery with another drain placement, wound debridement on her right shoulder to remove bullet fragments, and a tracheotomy to facilitate her breathing. The tracheotomy left her unable to speak upon waking. To ensure her safety and prevent any accidental removal of vital tubes, she was gently restrained to the bed. Some of these tubes carried critical consequences if dislodged. Her journey to recovery was marked by extensive medical procedures, including a skin graft taken from her wrist and behind her ear, bone harvested from her hip, and an artery transplanted from her arm to her neck. These measures were undertaken to reconstruct the face she once had, signifying the profound physical toll that the tragic event had exacted upon her. Wow. So this was a deliberate ambush. It was very... Strategically planned out for sure. This particular day, Abby said that they had shown up at Brian's apartment to pick up her son. Her mom came with her. And this is something very common in a relationship where you have a bad split or you've had some domestic violence where you want somebody there with you as a witness or as as comfort just to be there in case anything happens. And so her mom was with her. And when they showed up, Brian sends her mom a message saying, hey, I need some help. Can you come upstairs and help me bring some of Style's stuff out? 
So her mom proceeded to go help. And when she got upstairs and she went to get Styles out of the house and help with whatever, she didn't know that he was slipping out the back. So as she was coming up to help and getting Abby's son, he was jumping out the back window and proceeding to take the gun around the corner to shoot Abby. So pretty much got her, got her mom out of the way. Right. And then took the gun to go right. murder Abby. And so he comes up and, you know, she said it happened so quick. I don't even think that she really realized what was happening in those moments. And so he approaches the car and he just fires. And she said it if it sounded like a bomb exploding and things just kind of got hot and it, the, the vehicle was full of smoke. Keep in mind that this is an AR-15 fired within about 10 feet a 10 foot range of the vehicle and um, the window was up, but he fired through the glass. And so she gets hit. One of the things with bullets going through glass is that once a bullet hits the glass, the trajectory of the bullet changes and the impact to the human flesh is a lot worse because the bullet doesn't hit straight on. The bullet hits at an angle because it's already, it's already being deflected. It's already had an impact to something. So the shape of the bullet changes the trajectory of the bullet changes, and so it typically hits you, causing way more damage on the entry. Now, we know that after he shot Abby, he made an attempt to confirm whether she was alive or dead, right? What ends up happening is, so he runs away, right? He runs away, and he runs, I guess, towards the back of the apartment, towards like some garage area. Her mom makes it to the car, so this all kind of plays out really fast. And of course... She's in a panic, but she swings into this like fight or flight mode. And so she doesn't know. She's got the baby, right? Right. And so she doesn't know where the danger is at. So her mom throws the baby in the car and immediately peels off to get away from where they are because she doesn't know what's happening. Right. And so she pulls into a like a tire shop up the street. The whole time she's like, she's already on the phone with 911 and she's meeting 911 at the tire shop. She said, hey, I'm going to stop at the tire shop. So her grandson's in the back seat. Her daughter is in the front seat, bleeding out. And these are wounds that anyone can kill you all by themselves. Right. And it's crazy to me that, it, you know, like you said, that it hit the window first. And then her, she was shot multiple times. And she survives. In, in, and how old was she? She was 20 at the time. Wow. Of the accident. Yeah. Of the incident. So they get to the tire shop, the ambulance meets them there, and she gets taken to the hospital. And of course, she doesn't remember this, but the ambulance shows up about 1138 a.m. And at 1138 a.m., he's messaging her phone saying, are you alive? Wow. And proof of life. Right. And of course, she's not messaging back and his her mom isn't going to message him back. And so and he probably hears the ambulance and like he's hearing what's going on. He's hearing the sounds and he's right. So she's demised. So he takes his life. So he kills himself. So when she wakes up, she wakes up and she's had all of these things that have already taken place. They've done multiple surgeries at this point. And I want to give you an idea of some of the things that she endured she was starting to go into respiratory failure. She had an injury to her heart. She had a hemothorax. A lot a of hemothorax. Blood. It's blood in the lungs, right? Right. And she had extensive 
blood loss. She had multiple open fractures in her face, in her back, and she had an injury to her lung. So she's got multiple things. She was going into hemorrhagic shock, which is from losing too much blood. So she's ha- she has all these things. How did she survive this? It's crazy to me. And not just that, but she had a bilateral pneumothorax, which means that she had collapsed lungs on both sides. So she's got all these things going on. She's also got an open fracture, which means that it's protruding through the skin, which means that it can be seen of her clavicle, you know, of her face, of her back. And so you think about all these things. Um, She also had an eye injury. So she had penetrating injury to one of her eyes. So all these different things are taking place in her body at the same time. Right. Her, her body's starting to give up, yeah. you know, and already, you know, like we said before, one of those bullets alone can kill somebody. And the fact that she took three bullets through a window and then also all these things are happening to her body, those minutes you know, were important. And that quick reaction from her mom was important. And the quick reaction from the hospital was important. So Abby has a TikTok where she talks very openly about domestic violence and about her situation. And she really feels like it's important for people to understand what that looks like and how to remove yourself from that situation. And she feels like her situation is important to share because she doesn't want it to happen to anybody else. One of the things that Abby talks about is when she wakes up in the hospital and what a horrible feeling that was, because as a survivor of domestic violence... Things like being tied down or being in a tight space or anything of that nature is almost like having PTSD and then being faced with something that your PTSD was a result of. And so it really bothered her that they tied her up. And I know that her mom tried telling them, you know, hey, like I'll watch her, but you have to understand that the number of things that she was hooked up to, she would have had chest tubes. She may have had more than one, her breathing tube. There's a lot of things that were so critical to her survival that an accidental, like her mom fell asleep and didn't see or, you know, like any of those things being removed could hinder her survival. And so that just wasn't a chance that the hospital was willing to take. And so she was restrained with soft restraints. But that was a a very uncomfortable moment for her when she woke up. And then, of course, she couldn't speak either. I think that would be uncomfortable for anybody. I can't imagine losing consciousness in one setting and then waking up in the hospital with all these tubes coming out of my body. I would probably panic. I'd probably be reaching out. Yeah, I'd be thinking (laughs) someone's doing something to me. Yeah, that's really scary. That's a really scary situation. But I understand the, the steps that the hospital had to take. And... Waking up in a panic and grabbing tubes and pulling them out of your body could cause her to hemorrhage, could cause her to die. And so, yeah, I get it. The news that Brian had passed away that same day from a self-inflicted gunshot wound must have brought mixed emotions for Abby. While it may have ended the immediate threat and danger that he posed, it also meant that he had escaped any form of accountability for the pain and suffering he had inflicted on Abby. His actions left Abby to pick up the shattered pieces of her life. Now, as a single mother, facing not only the emotional scars of her past, but also the challenges of raising her child without a father. In such a situation, it's common for survivors of domestic violence to experience a complex array of emotions, including relief, sadness, anger, grief, and confusion. While the immediate danger may have passed, the healing process can be long and arduous. 
Abby's journey is a testament to her strength and resilience as she works to rebuild her life and provide a safe and loving environment for her son. It's essential for survivors like Abby to seek support, whether through therapy, counseling, or support groups to navigate the emotional aftermath of such a traumatic experience. While her abuser may have evaded earthly consequences, Abby's focus remains on her own healing and the well-being of her child as they move forward together. So as a result of this incident, Abby was diagnosed with PTSD, amongst some other things, and... This is on top of what she was already dealing with prior to this taking place. So this has been a difficult recovery for her. She probably already had a certain level of PTSD from the original abuse that was going on and from the trauma of her relationship with Brian. And then this assault elevated that to a whole nother level. That along with the amount of damage that was caused from the attack, the disfigurement and the scars and, and those types of things that she's trying to deal with now as she heals, as she goes through the healing process, it's a lot of weight on a person's psyche to deal with. At the same time, while you're trying to raise a child and you're trying to have a life and get a job and support your family and things like that. And I know that she has a significant other in her, in her life that's helping her navigate these waters but it doesn't make it any easier to deal with those traumatic events that have led up to where she's at today honestly a lot of things that i don't think are going to trigger my ptsd trigger my ptsd the other day i was in the car with my boyfriend and i we we got to the destination i thought was the right place that i put it in the maps and it was the wrong place and i immediately had a meltdown because that's I've been, you know, I was beaten over something that little, something that small. Uh, it's just, you know, it's hard to process that. Um, I struggle with little memories, and they're like movies that play through my head every day of the things that he did to me and the things that I didn't process in the last eight years. So I'm basically processing eight years worth of trauma every day. And it's exhausting. It's very exhausting. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who had supported me again because I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how, I wanna share my story, but I don't know how to, how to go about this. I'm also not very, I don't like to go out. I don't like to take pictures or videos of myself very often. Um, my, my face triggers me the most. You know, I don't meet my gaze in the mirror because when I do, I think of being shot. I think of the last memory I felt when it was like a bomb went off in a movie when the bullet hit my face. You know, it's, it's the little things that trigger you, but also the big things like my face. Um, I just, I want you guys to understand that it's nothing that we can control. My, some of like my family and my friends think, you know, you can just tune it out. You can just forget this stuff. 
you don't have to share it or process it or go through it. You can just ignore it. And that's not true. Your body physically will not let you do that. It makes you remember. When we first talked to Abby, I couldn't find any information about the incident online at all. There had been nothing published. There was no news articles, anything of that nature. And Abby said that it was really important to them in the beginning that that story be like she wanted to be ready when that story came out. And actually, when we first started speaking with her, we had set up our initial interview was set up and she had been doing a number of interviews for like um, some some papers and magazines and things like that. And she became overwhelmed, like, you know, even though so so one of her outlets for for dealing with all of this has been she took to TikTok to educate people on domestic violence and to share her story in hopes that it would prevent a situation like hers in the future, even if for one person, which I think is such a beautiful thing, especially because if you get the opportunity to check out her TikTok, you see the damage to her face that she has to look at every day, which is a reminder to her of what's happened. It's not an easy thing. She lost an eye. Her face has some disfigurement. She's had multiple surgeries, you know, not just on her face. So this is something that she doesn't get to escape. She doesn't get to cover it up. She doesn't get to act like it didn't happen. You know, every time she looks in the mirror, she's reminded. And there's other things as well that she's had to deal with, such as there was an incident that took place at one point where Brian was was attacking her and her son was present. And she said that her son was pulling at her pant leg. And so she got very emotional talking about how she would see her son and it would be, a, you know, she would get this flashback. It would be a, a bad reminder, you know. And so she was feeling this level of guilt of a trigger. Right. It was a trigger for her. So her being open to sharing these things and sharing her journey and, you know, and and not long after we went to reschedule our interview with her, um, she ended up having to seek some some help and she did some inpatient care for her mental health, with it, which I think is such a strong, amazing thing for her to do. It just speaks volumes to her will to not just survive, but thrive after something like this. I just wanted to let you guys know I've been gone for a little over a week because I did check myself into a facility because I haven't been feeling well. I was having constant panic attacks. I was basically living in a PTSD nightmare. Um, I've been very afraid. I was having, you know, just constant trauma. So I went and I checked myself in and I feel better. It's very scary at first. They take your clothes, they take your phone, they take everything that you have. And you know, they do a skin check on you, which is even more scary for a domestic violence survivor. But I feel like this ended really good for me. I have meds that I need. I have people that I can trust and speak to. You know, I ended up loving every single person there. And it's hard to leave because you know that you're not gonna see them again, maybe, you know? But I love all those people who I was with. They were there for me. They loved me. Maybe not all the nurses, but the people were there for me and they meant the world to me. So if all any of my um, mental hospital people see me out there on TikTok, say hi, because I miss you. Another thing that I did this week, um, 
was I got this for myself. And before I show you, I want to explain. I have a Medusa on the top of my arm, and so I went and got a tattoo on the bottom of my arm. And my sleeve is for empowerment. And the things that I've been through, that I, like, finished through, like I went through. So I went ahead and I got this. This is my new AR tattoo. It is, in fact, an AR-15, for those of you who are wondering. It is beautiful. The detail is amazing. I've only been, I've only had, like, five tattoos from shops. And I just wanted to let you guys know the memorial piece I got. Because it means the world to me. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. So thank you for all my viewers. I love you all. And I hope you have a great day. You think about her sharing her story and how that must feel and people seeing you and seeing what you look like. And people are not nice. I read multiple comments where people just said ugly things, even down to something really dumb like, well, in some pictures, it looks like it's on your right and then some on your left, like as if she was making it up. Right. The trolls. Yeah. Or even his family, Brian's family at one point told her she needed to stop doing that. Basically trying to say she wasn't an innocent party in the whole thing, that they both did things. And why does it matter to you? Yeah, that's victim shaming. Yeah. It's her story. And the most beautiful thing of all I noticed is that in all of her videos, so she's got videos that have over a million views and she does multiple videos pretty regularly. And for anybody who reaches out, who even has a semblance of needing help, she obviously can't respond to everybody because there's thousands and thousands of comments. But I have yet to see a comment where when somebody says, like, I'm going through something or, you know, my situation is similar, where she doesn't personally reach out to them and yeah. give them advice or just say, hey, I'm here for you or something of that nature, which I think is just just so beautiful of her to do. Well, I hope at some point we get a chance to talk with Abby and we get to hear her story from her side. And I know that's difficult because even in retelling your story, no matter how many times you retell it, you experience it all over again. You go back through those emotions, you go back through that trauma. It's reliving that, that tragedy. So I know it's difficult for her and she may never want to tell us that story and she may never want to share that with us, but I hope at some point in the future she does so that we can share it because I think that I would love to hear her tell her side of it and and understand her experience and how that experience is transforming the lives of other people who are going through similar types of domestic violence and toxic relationships and things like that. So. And you know, it's very different when you're kind of openly sharing what you want to share, when you want to share it, you get breaks in between you, you know, but when you're being interviewed by people and they're kind of peeling back layers and they're thinking about things that maybe you haven't thought about, it just starts to put you in a, you know, like it just kind of starts to pull you back. And so that's something yeah. that sometimes people don't realize is that it's very different when you're just sitting there telling bits and pieces as opposed to somebody trying to get the full spectrum of everything that happened you know right abby's story is a testament to the power of survival and resilience through the platform of tiktok she has bravely shared her journey inspiring both women and men to break free from the confines of domestic violence and take a stand for their own well-being her message is clear 
You don't have to accept an abusive relationship as your fate, and it's never too late to seek help and make a change. Throughout her heroic journey, Abby has not only discovered the strength within herself, but has also found the beauty in life's simple pleasures. She understands the preciousness and brevity of life, and she has even discovered love and a partner, Jordan, who cherishes her and her son wholeheartedly. Together, they navigate the path of healing, offering unwavering support even when she may not realize she needs it. Abby's son is growing up in an environment where he learns the values of treating others with dignity and respect, and he understands that pure love is something he deserves. Abby's message carries a vital and universal truth. If you or someone you know is trapped in a domestic violence situation, seeking help early is crucial. No one deserves to be manipulated, isolated from friends and family, or denied their basic rights. Reach out for assistance and remember that your future self will thank you for taking that courageous step. In the United States or Canada, you can contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or text START to 88788. For those in other countries, perform a web search to find resources and organizations that can provide the support that you need. You are not alone, and there is hope for a brighter, safer future. And that's a wrap on today's investigation, fellow detectives. If you found this episode both enlightening and captivating, then please subscribe to our podcast show and our Patreon. Leave a review and hit that like button. Share our podcast with others and engage with us on our website and social media platforms. You can find us on all major podcast platforms as well as our website at www.bodyofcrimepodcast.com where you can access all of our episodes and bonus content, including valuable resources. By expanding our community, we believe we can make a greater impact in our pursuit of truth and in shedding light on crucial cases. If there's a case that you'd like for us to cover or a personal story you'd like to share, please don't hesitate to contact us through our website. We always welcome your feedback and suggestions. Until next time, stay sharp, and thank you for tuning in to the Body of Crime Podcast. Podcast. Bye.